Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to another episode of Vitamin D&D, your weekly dose of Dungeons & Dragons, just what the DM ordered. I'm your host, Patrick, and here with me today, as always, is my fellow co-host and party member, Brady. Hello, everybody. Hello. All right. Another another, another episode of Vitamin D&D, just what you've been waiting for all week. That's right, and it's a two-parter. This is the second of a two-parter. Yeah. Two the com- completion part of we know you just been waiting since last last friday just being like i, I just don't just know like a, just what? just like at a monster ra- truck rally it's like you you pay for your whole seat but you only need the edge because <gasps> friday, so friday, friday 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 <laughs> yeah. vitamin D. yeah very good oh maybe we should revamp our intro and make it just sound like a monster truck rally I mean, I'm I'm not opposed to it. I'm not sure how the people Kids would feel. Kids of all but... ages. Sounds like a. I don't know. That might scare more. Sounds like a professional uh, wrestling intro. <laughs> all right. Take <laughs> your medicine because it's vitamin D and D time. All right. Bone Sally is ready. Okay. I think we just need to go. And that's go, a good go place. Uh, and... That's it. it for the podcast forever. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> Yes, and uh, well, it was, it was really fun podcasting with yeah. you, Brady. But I think <laughs> I'm sorry I just ran everybody off. Yeah. Hmm. Um, everybody, tune in and just pay attention to my social media where I announce my own solo uh, Dungeons and Dragons podcasts. So that way, we don't have to deal with Brady anymore. That's that's right. But uh, to get us back on track uh, again, this is going to be our second part uh, episode talking about feats, or as I pointed <laughs> out in the previous episode. Feats. So yeah, just just bear that in mind. There is a difference. There there is a difference. Stress. Uh, if you were wondering, stress the feats part of the feats. Yep. Um, so like I talked about in part one, just gonna kind of retouch on this, gonna double tap on it. Um, instead of ability score improvement, so you can take these feats and they're ways to personalize your character. Um, like we talked about before, in my opinion, it's you know. It's always a good choice to take a feat, um, especially with some of these next, um, in this next section we're going to talk about when we get into the utility and ability improvement um, and focused feats. Um, they, some of them actually even just give you an ability score improvement, so it's almost like, you know, you're still getting it. Yeah, so, yeah you're still getting it. Yeah, so you can take a feat or an ability score improvement at 4th level, 8th level, 10th, 12th, 16th, and 19th. And so whenever you take these feats, you're trading either an ability score improvement of one ability score by two or two different ability scores by one. Um, And like I said, we're going to talk about the next section in part two this episode. It's going to be magic-focused feats first, and then a section I like to call the utility-slash-ability focused feats yep because in the in the previous episode we list or we uh listed and talked about the defense focused feats and then the uh, offense focused feats we aren't doing the sort of alphabetical order um patrick decided and i thought it was a great idea we're going to group them together to where they make a little bit more sense so you're not jumping around so uh yeah we're going to get into the uh the magical sort of uh, uh feats and stuff so I guess let's jump in feet first. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, you got to start since you did. Okay. <clears throat> oh, man, okay. Uh, so one of the first ones that we'll be talking about is the element, elemental, elemental, elemental adept. Uh, that can be a little bit of a tongue twister if you're not paying attention. But anyways, elemental adept. Um, so this one does have a prerequisite, and that is just the ability to cast at least one spell. You don't have to be exactly a wizard or something like that, but if you've multi-classed and you're able to cast, you know, cast at least one spell, then you can do this. But basically, uh, when you gain this feat, you choose one of the following damage types, so either acid, cold, fire, lightning, or thunder, and spells you cast ignore resistances to damage of that chosen type. Um, and also, in addition, when you roll any damage for a spell you cast that deals that type of damage, you can treat any one on a damage die as a two. So just to give you just a little tiny boost, so nothing's a complete failure. Yeah. Um, 
and you can select this feat multiple times. And each time you do, you must choose a different damage type. So if you wanted to spend all of your, uh, you know, feet picking ability things, uh, and choose all these different types, you could do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's five different the elements. Thing, if you want to do like an, yeah. yeah, if you wanted to be like an elemental focused sort of caster or player or something like that. Yeah. Right, and I, I don't know if I'd recommend taking it a bunch of times, but if yeah, if you want to just have you know all those elemental effects that just cut through every kind of resistance, like this is your bag right here. Um, so and like Brady said, you're never gonna get minimum damage whenever you can treat every one on the damage dice as a two, so that's nice. Um, all right, next is gonna be Mage Slayer. And Mage Slayer, when a creature within five feet of you casts a spell, you can use your reaction to make a melee weapon attack against that creature. When you damage a creature that is concentrating on a spell, like we talked about before in the spell casting, a big part of that is concentration. And so that's what, if you're casting a concentration spell, you're hoping to not take a lot of damage. So in this case, this, this is giving you an advantage against those spell casters. Um... So when you damage a creature that is concentrating on a spell, that creature has disadvantage on the saving throw it makes to maintain its concentration. So if you know that you and your party keep coming up coming up against so many magic wielders and you're just like, gosh, I just want to neutralize all that and I want to, you know, cut short those super, you know, effective concentration spells that can really do some damage, really do some really negative effects on us, like this can be your bag right here. And lastly, Mage Slayer is you have advantage on saving throws against spells cast by creatures within five feet of you. So this is a really good thing to take if you're that frontline fighter and you want to close the distance on those magic wielders, get up in their face and really just make their make their life a lot harder. Yeah, and that's, again... Like Patrick was saying, this this is good if, you know, maybe you're in a world where uh, there are lots of spellcasters or, you know, people who cast spells that you know you're going to be coming up against. Like if the world is abundant with, um, you know, magic casting people, then this might be something to think about taking if you, you know, wanted to maybe help even odds out a little bit or yeah. give you a little bit of a leg up. That's what I thought. Um, this is one of the feats I thought thought about taking from my most recent character, who was a rogue, because his backstory was that he had you know, pretty much had an assassination attempt on him by a like a mage. So, whenever after we went and defeated that mage, I thought about taking this feat because I thought it kind of mel melded with my backstory of you know my character was driven and like focused on like I'm gonna take that guy out. He's such a jerk. Casting spells. Don't want to deal with it. Gonna Gosh. So <clears throat> dumb. Casting spells. I hate them. All right. <laughs> so next up, uh, this is another... I think this is one of those cool sort of general good sprinklings of you know storytelling or just a good way to kind of mix up some of your other classes, uh, some of your more melee-driven classes and stuff like that. This is a good way to, you know, mix it up just a little bit without throwing too much into the mix. And it's called Magic Initiate. Initiate. And uh, it's pretty cool. It's it's not too in-depth or anything like that. But you, you choose a class of either Bard, Cleric, Druid, Sorcerer, Warlock, or Wizard. So basically, basically your spellcasting uh, classes. <clears throat> and you can learn two cantrips of your choice from that class's spell list. Uh, which is, you know, cantrips are your at-will ones, so you don't have to worry about burning spell slots or anything like that. Uh, they can be sort of helpful little things that you could do, like fairy fire or, you know, something like that, or maybe... Eldritch uh, Blast. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's always a good one. Uh, thaumaturgy or prestidigitation, mm -hmm. or maybe like even Mage Hand or something like that. You know, you could take some of those, not have to worry about casting them. Um, in addition to that, you can choose one first-level spell, from that same list of whatever it was that you chose from. And uh, you learn that spell and can cast it at its lowest level. So that would be just pretty much your first level, lowest level uh, casting that you can do. And once you cast it, you must finish a long rest before you can cast it again. So it's basically kind of like a once, once a day kind of thing uh, that you can do your 
first level spell, uh, but that's that's the only level you can do it at. You can't go up or anything like that. Uh, so it's basically just a one shot. Maybe like a might just be like a healing touch or healing word or something like that that you want to take with you if you are a bar you know a barbarian or somebody that is in a party that doesn't have very many healers and you want to be able to watch after yourself or you know just something like that. Uh, but your spellcasting ability for these spells depends on the class that you chose. So. Uh, charisma for a bard, sorcerer, or warlock, and wisdom for clerics or druids, or intelligence for wizards. So just bear that in mind whenever you take those, uh, that that will be your ability checks and scores that you will use respectively. Yep, okay. Um, The next one we're going to talk about is Ritual Caster. And so we recommend going into the uh, player's handbook with, with all of these, but especially with the ritual caster. Um, I'm going to kind of read through it because ritual spells are um, kind of special. So a prerequisite for this one is going to be an intelligence or wisdom score of 13 or higher. So the description on ritual caster says, you have learned a number of spells that you can cast as rituals. These spells are ri- written in a ritual book, which you must have in hand while casting one of them. Okay. When you choose this feat, you acquire a ritual book that holds two, uh, two first-level spells of your choice. Um, you choose one of the following classes, like Brady read those classes earlier, just the spellcasting ones, Bard, Cleric, Druid, Sorcerer, Warlock, or Wizard. Um, you choose your spells from that class's spell list, and the spells you choose must have the ritual tag. So like we talked about, Ritual Caster must be ritual spells from those classes. Um the class you choose also determines your spellcasting ability for these spells. You know, you look at the main spellcasting ability for each of those classes. So if you choose from the Bard, Sorcerer, or Warlock spell list, then you're using Charisma, Wisdom for Cleric or Druid, and Intelligence for Wizard. Um, if you come across a spell in written form, such as the spell Magic Scroll, or sorry, Magical, sorry, such as a magical spell scroll, or a wizard's spell book, you might be able to add it to your ritual book. And remember, this they still have to be ritual spells. You obviously can't cast non-ritual spells as rituals. Um, they have to be on that spell list that you choose, too. And the process of copying the new spell into your book takes two hours per level and costs 50 gold piece, pieces per level. Uh, represents that cost represents the material components such as inks, paper. You know, you know, you need to have certain arcane enhanced ink in order to write in your spell book, that sort of thing. Um, and you know, you just record those new spells. So it can be a cool way to kind of get a hold of ritual spell casting if you wouldn't normally have that ability. Because um, there's some there's some pretty decent pretty cool spells um, like what is it Liaman's tiny hut um, I think the magnificent mansion spell is also one of those ritual casting spells so a lot of really good utility spells or rituals so just take a look and if you're interested in that then it could be really useful yeah yeah good way to uh, you know broaden your your base of spells that you can have um, be able to whip out and use um and this next one speaking of more spell casting uh this is going to be more aimed towards your you know spell slingers the people who are designated people that you know stay in the back and throw spells and do things like that uh it's called spell sniper and that makes me think of the coheed and cambria song you know, good eye sniper anyways so the prerequisite for that uh, you do have to have the ability to cast at least one spell, uh, so you do have to do that. Makes but, sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would need it. It's kind of be pointless if you can't cast a smell, smell, spell and just be like, huh, you know, if I could cast a spell, I could do these next couple things. It would be pretty cool. But anyways, your um, whenever you learn this, you, you learn to enhance your attacks with certain kinds of spells, and you gain uh, these couple of things. So... Kind of one of the cool things is uh, when you cast a spell that requires you to make an attack roll, the spell's range is doubled. So pretty much anything uh, like your spells that are ranged attack where you do have to roll, uh, have an attack roll, its range is doubled. So you just extended your reach out 
that much farther that you can reach out and touch somebody, hit them with a spell, which is pretty cool. Um, and then the next cool thing is uh, your ranged spells attacks ignore half cover and three quarters cover. So you're able to really get in there and hit people that might be behind cover to where it's like, I don't know if I can hit them. You know, they've got half cover or whatever. No, you can get in there and just boom, just as it says, snipe them with your spells, which is pretty cool. Um, And you also learn one cantrip that requires an attack roll. And again, from this list that we've been naming off, uh, you can choose them from the bard, cleric, druid, sorcerer, warlock, or wizard spell list. And again, as it's been saying with all these, your spellcasting ability for this cantrip depends on the spell list that you chose from. So again, charisma for bard, sorcerer, or warlock, wisdom for cleric, or druid, or intelligence for wizards. So if you really want to be in the back and throw those spells out to, to deal damage, uh, this, this might be something for you to be able to take people out uh, from a little bit further away. Yeah, it's, it's like, the, uh, like the sharpshooter feat. But for uh, for spellcasters, so. but with magic, but just magic. All right. So next one is uh, a super clutch um, feat to take if you are a magic wielder, and if that is your primary primary duty, primary way you like to play, is warcaster. The prerequisite again is the ability to cast at least one spell; otherwise, it'd be pretty much useless. Um, you have advantage on constitution saving throws that you make to maintain your concentration on a spell when you take damage. So just like that Mage Slayer um, feat that I mentioned earlier gives advantage against, um, you know, or makes the person roll with disadvantage, this actually is the kind of the opposite. It protects you from those, um, you know, those disadvantages, protects you from being attacked while you're trying to concentrate on a spell. Uh, you perform these somatic components of spells even when you have the weapon when you have the weapons or a shield in one or both hands. So this is pretty cool in the fact that you can be wielding a shield, wielding some kind of melee weapon, and you can still uh, perform all the complicated hand gestures, arm movements, you know, that are required for your spells, even if both hands are full. So this would be pretty nice if you like to mix it up by, you know, smacking some heads while you're also casting some spells. And finally, when a hostile creature, sorry, when a hostile creature's movement provokes an opportunity attack from you, you can use your reaction to cast a spell at the creature and, uh, rather than making an opportunity attack. The spell must have a casting time of one action and must target the only or only that creature. So you can't, you know, throw like fireball or something, you know, some kind of area effect uh, spell, but something that's actually just going to target one creature like magic missile, things like that. Um, so that's kind of cool. You can, instead of being forced to, as a magic wielder, you know, rely on, Ah, uh, gosh, you know, opportunity attack, I gotta swing at him with this, meh, I'm just a magic wielder with my sword. But in this case, Stinky you can... little stick. You can just <laughs> blast him away with whatever, you know, single target spell that you got up your sleeve, you know, nice opportunity attack. So, yeah. Pretty Especially cool. if you've got some of those stronger cantrips uh, or stuff like that, you can really use that to rock somebody's world. Yeah, this could be pretty fun as a as a warlock, since warlocks are kind of like the combat uh, combat casters. Um, yeah, the tanky casters, sort of. Yeah, so get in there and swing your, your uh, weapons around and then blast people with that Eldritch Blast. Yeah, um, get them with Eldritch Blast. That's pretty good stuff. All right, so next section we're going to move on. Oh, wait, we need to talk about... So what, Brady, in this section is the ma- in the magic-focused section is your favorite. Hmm. Uh, or if if two are pretty close together, you can talk. You can mention both of them. Uh, I like I like the magic initiate and spell sniper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think magic initiate not just. I think it's because of the fact it's not just magic. I know this will sound counterintuitive. It's not magic focused. If you know what I mean, like somebody who is non magic can pick this up and All have right. a little magic. So it's not just focused at you know like spell sniper is you know, 
probably going to be picked by somebody who is a, you know, a well to do, you know, spellcaster that's going to be yeah. throwing that stuff. So I like magic initiative because it can kind of mix it up a little bit. Yeah. What's yours, Patrick? Um, I think I like, I think I like war. It's, it's tough. Um, I like Warcaster best, but I also like the cool, uh, like I talked about earlier, Mage Slayer, since they are kind of like opposites. Um, so that can, it can be really cool if you're a, uh, if you're a spellcaster to have all those protections, you know, to maintain your concentration, but it can be cool if you want to take the Mage Slayer and just kind of, disrupt all that spell casting because that can be you know especially a lot most of the time big bad guys have some spells of some kind and so if you like to get in there and make make it a little bit you know easier for your team to uh, take them out having mage slayer wouldn't be bad yeah comes in coming really handy against the bbegs the, so the that's evil gay yep so it's a good thing to have, but uh, but yeah. So now we're going to be moving on to the sort of utility slash ability focused feats. Um, and there's there's a few more of these than there have been in the other ones. So we're not going to necessarily kind of breeze past them, but they are pretty straightforward. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, this first one um, is called Alert, and it's basically what it sounds like. You gain a plus five bonus to initiative. So you're going to be higher up in the order because, you know, this is like you're on your toes. You see things coming and you're able to react a little bit quicker type thing. Uh, and then another thing, you can't be surprised while you're conscious. So that's pretty cool. Um, you know, the surprise round, uh, that's a hotly debated topic, uh, whether it is or isn't a thing in the rules is written. It's not really stated as such, but we can get in that to another episode. But anyways, you can't be surprised, which is pretty good. You can't be off, caught off guard, uh, so you'll always be able to have a higher chance of reacting sooner or being higher up in the initiative slot. And then the other thing is, other creatures don't gain advantage on attack rolls against you as a result of being hidden from you. So this is going to be good if you're going to be up there on the front lines or hanging around certain places to where, uh, you know, these rogue-type people will get, you know, sneak attack if they have advantage on you, deal a lot of damage, so... That'll kind of help help keep you uh, aware and kept from taking a big burst of damage right off the bat from these people that are trying to sneak around and hide from you. Yeah, that's what, um, like I mentioned before, my old rogue character. I I thought about alert as well as a first feat, just because I was an assassin and so I wanted to be high up in the initiative order, so I got those bonuses for damage for going first. And I also was kind of our scout, and my perception was awful. So I want—I wanted the ability to kind of be up front, but still kind of, you know, pseudo have good perception by just never being surprised. I knew that my DM would have probably just made it to where everybody attacked us from behind, though. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's it's just not a bad all around feat to take. Um, yeah. So just something to think about. Yeah. Um, next one is going to be athlete. And so like we talked about earlier, some of these feats um, in this section, the um, utility ability focused feats actually give you an increase in your ability scores. And so even though you're taking a feat, instead of increasing your ability scores, you can actually take a feat that increases your ability scores. So in my opinion, always a good option. Um, so athlete, you get to increase your strength or dexterity score by one to a maximum of 20, like we talked about before. Um, Just with your standard ability scores, um, you can only increase those to a maximum of 20. And you can have other stuff, whether it be armor, random enchantments, random random gear that might bump you up. But as far as as a physical being, you can't have above a maximum of 20 in any of those categories. Um, Next with athlete is when you are prone, Standing up uses only five feet of your movement. Not sure if we've talked about this, but if you're knocked prone or if you dive to the ground um, or you're crawling around or something like that on the floor and you're prone, so you're down low, standing up usually uses half of your movement speed. So if you've got a movement speed of 30 as your standard movement speed, standing up would use 15 of it. And so in this case, with athlete, you're so quick, so light on your feet that you only uh, use up five feet 
of your movement speed whenever you get up from being prone. Um, also, climbing doesn't have your speed. Usually it takes double your speed just to climb the same distance, but in this case, it doesn't. You know, you're an athlete. You're super, super cool, super strong, super quick. And you can make a running long jump or a running high jump after moving only five feet on foot rather than 10 feet. Usually you have to have a kind of a, a running start uh, of 10 feet or more to make a running long jump or a running high jump. But in this situation, you only have five feet. You only have to do five feet. Yep. Feet on foot. The arsonist has oddly shaped feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the next one is going to be actor, and this is going to be uh, a good one for, say, like your rogues again, uh, or just if you want to have some fun. And uh, again, this one starts off with increasing your charisma score by one to a max of 20. Uh, so if you have someone that's focusing on charisma, this would be a good little thing for you to do. But it has some pretty cool stuff. Um, one of the other things that it can do for you is you have advantage on charisma, which would be like your deception checks, um, and your performance checks. So your charisma-based stuff um, for deception and performance uh, it gives you advantage on those checks when you're trying to pass yourself off as a different person. So if you're trying to imitate somebody else or you know try a disguise where you're trying to be someone else, you'll have advantage on your uh, your deception and performance to get to choose from to help you make those uh, those successful saves. So this one's actually pretty cool too that it helps you along with this. You can learn to mimic the speech of another person or the sounds made by other creatures. And you must have heard the person speaking or the creature make the sound for at least one minute. So normally if you're like eavesdropping on somebody that you're wanting to imitate or um, disguise yourself as, uh, or a creature that you're wanting to try and pass yourself off as to like scare the guards or whatever. Uh, you've got to be around for at least one minute and hear them make those noises or talk. And a successful wisdom insight check uh, contested by your charisma deception check allows a listener to determine that the effect is fake. So if somebody was like, what is that noise? And they have to make an insight check against your deception check um, that allows you to either pass it off or get found out yeah trying to be an owl who who all right next one is going to be dungeon delver so if you've got a class that's kind of like the the treasure hunter kind of thing this can be really good or if you find yourself running into a lot of traps being that frontline guy again for rogues pretty good um you you have advantage on wisdom perception and intelligence investigation checks made to detect the presence of secret doors. So if you are trying to find a secret door, you've got an advantage on those checks. You have advantage on saving throws made to avoid or resist traps. So if you're trying to pull your hand back before it gets uh, injured, or you're trying to, you know, oh gosh, poison gas, um, you have advantage on those as well. You have resistance to the damage dealt by traps, so that means that with resistance, you only take half of the damage that would normally be done. And then finally, you can search for traps while traveling at a normal pace instead of only at a slow pace. So this can help you to you know, move through a dungeon while also being very careful a lot easier um, than the normal person. Yep, so if you're planning on going through lots of dungeons, that's uh, that would be a good one to take. Um, this next one's pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, it's called Durable. It increases your constitution by one to a max of 20 uh, to help you be a little bit more hardier. And then also when you roll a hit die to regain hit points, the minimum number of hit points that you can regain from the roll equals twice your constitution modifier uh, to be at least a minimum of two. So that's just helping you whenever you go back to regain your hit points that you're never going to really get just like one or two. So just to help you kind of be a little bit more durable. Yeah. Um, and this next one is called Healer. Um, and this can be really good, and I'd have to look at it to see. Um, first part here, uh, when you use a healer's kit to stabilize a dying creature, you, that creature also regains one hit point. And then as an action, you can spend one use of a healer's kit to tend to a creature and restore 1d6 plus 4 hit points to it. 
plus additional hit points equal to the creature's maximum number of hit dice. The creature can't regain hit points from this feat again until it finishes a short or long rest. So I think me and my old adventuring party looked at this um, way back when, and a healer's kit is so much less expensive than buying healing potions. Um, and with this feat, you can essentially do what like a standard, um, you know, cure light wounds or whatever. Uh, a standard healing potion does and so we we were like this is a great way to be just you know to be super frivolous and just save save some money and be thrifty and uh just so they, we were trying to decide which one of us was going to take the healer um feat so we could save some cash on healing potions it's not a bad idea good way to be thrifty so this next one um, is kind of a cool one. It can also be used for flavor, but it's actually, it's not a bad um, feat to have. But uh, you do have to have the prerequisite of having a charisma of 13 or higher. Uh, but with this, it's called, you know, Inspiring Leader. It's exactly what it sounds like. You can spend up to 10 minutes um, inspiring your companions and just making, you know, epic speeches or, you know, hyping up your your teammates and your party members. Um just getting them hyped up for the fight to come. Uh, but when you do that, uh, you choose up to six friendly creatures, which can, can include yourself within 30 feet of you, uh, that can see you, hear you and understand you. And the ones that have been chosen, each creature gain temporary hit points equal to your level plus your charisma modifier. And uh, a creature can't gain temporary hit points from this feat again until it's finished a long or short rest. But you know, that may not sound like a lot, um, of hit points, but, there are some times when it comes down to, you know, the difference of being knocked unconscious and, you know, living to get that last hit on the, you know, the big, big, bad, evil guy and, you know, just five or six hit points. So every little bit helps, especially when you're starting off. But uh, in those later, later battles, every, every hit point counts. Yeah, definitely. Um, that, this, this feat always makes me think of Keyleth um, from season one of Critical Role, who had the inspiring leader feet mm -hmm. um, and her, her speeches were absolutely horrible, but it was great. Marisha Ray um, played that character so well. She was just such an awkward, like leader, like just trying to learn how to be the leader and her speeches were just su I, I super did my awkward. Best. Yeah. <laughs> they were, it's, it's pretty good. All right. Next one um, is the uh, potentially one of the most broken, um, feats ever and uh caleb from the second season of critical role uh, played by liam o'brien has the keen mind feat which increases your intel or intelligence score by one to a maximum of 20 and you always it says always know which way is north always it says you always know the number of hours left before the next sunrise or sunset. So you know, always know essentially what time it is, what time of day it is. And you can accurately recall anything you have seen or heard within the past month. So like, so this um, is hilarious. Uh, there's been several times when uh, they are trying to recall some information during the campaign and uh, Liam O'Brien will say, well, I, I don't remember, but Caleb does. <laughs> and so then essentially uh, Matt Mercer, the DM, has to tell him exactly what it is because if it's happened in the past month, Caleb knows, Caleb remembers. Um, unless something is messed with his mind, he remembers everything. So this can be a pretty fun feat um, just to kind of like, I don't know, make it to where you, you always, you know, it's kind of like the, like a, like hacks, you know, it's a cheat code. Yeah, it's not, it's not too bad. It's a pr pretty good one. It's a lot more, uh, has a lot more utility than you would think. It sounds just like, oh, you always know which way is north. That's a big deal. Always knowing what time it is, is a big deal. And being able to recall anything in the past month are big deals, as Patrick was saying. So that's, right. That's a pretty good one. Always knowing which way is north kind of, uh, negates your DM trying to make you get lost in a blizzard. It's like, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. It says... Yep, you see right through it. Yeah, it says you always know which way is north, not like you might. <laughs> no, always. 
it's like you're sort of vaguely familiar. It's not no, you know. No. But, but yeah, so that's a good one. And uh, moving right along, we get to Linguist, which, again, is pretty st- straightforward and sounds pretty much what it is. But uh, you increase your tel- intelligence score by one to a maximum of 20. And then uh, you get to learn three languages of your choice. Uh, but another cool thing is uh, you can be able to create written ciphers. Others can't decipher a code you've created unless you teach them and they succeed on an intelligence check, which the DC is equal to your intelligence score plus your proficiency bonus, or they use magic to decipher it. So if you are the people that want to maybe split the party a lot or you know, you're know you doing stuff like this, if you take the time and teach all of your party members your ciphers, you can leave them hidden notes around places and people won't be able to, you know, track you down or whatever, unless they use magic or whatever. But, you know, it's a cool way to keep, keep your party together or uh, pass information around through your party without being discovered like, uh, like rogues and stuff. But yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, flavor feat choice. Um, and the next one, uh, is a feat that I've, I've heard, you know, sometimes gets kind of banned and, uh, tables and groups will decide absolutely no one will take the lucky feet which i i don't know i think if you deal with it you know lucky you have three luck points whenever you make an attack roll an ability check or a saving throw you can spend one luck point to roll an additional d20 so essentially using a luck point to give yourself advantage on the check you can choose to spend one of your luck points after you roll the die, but before the outcome is determined. So you have to make sure that if you roll a d20 before your dungeon master says, well, you fail and you fall down. No, like you've got to be quick on it. If you know, like, oh, that's a bad roll. I'm going to need to use a luck point. You need to be on top of it. You got to, you know, be, be aware and be ready. Um, and then you choose which of the two rolls is going to be used, whether you know, for the attack roll, ability check, or saving throw. So you can use the second one you rolled or the first one, if the second one's even worse. You can also spend one luck point when an attack roll is made against you. So if somebody's attacking you, you can use a luck point to roll a d20 and make that person attacking you use theirs, or use that roll that you made instead of the roll they made. So if somebody rolls a critical hit on you, you can say, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm going to roll, uh, I'm going to make you roll a luck point and uh, hopefully not roll a d20 or a, a natural 20 myself. Um, so then uh, let's see if one or more creature, if more than one creature spends a luck point to influence the outcome of a roll, the points cancel each other out. So no additional dice are rolled. So that, you know, if, if you're fighting, you know, big bad evil guy who's got luck, and you've got luck too, and you both try to use luck, it would be kind of pointless. It just it's just a straight roll at that point, and you regain your expended luck points when you finish a long rest. So, and the cool thing about this, there's no rules on how many, you know, whether you can use all your luck points all at once or just one or two. So if you're just you know, in a really critical situation, you're like, I have got to make this uh, ability check or saving throw. You can spend all three of those luck points. So it can be yeah, and I think uh, yeah, I think Liam had that on Vax in the yeah. first season yep. of Critical Role. So he did. Um, and Jake, um, in the uh, not another D and D podcast, his character Hard One uh, has the luck feat. Or the lucky feet as well. So pretty helpful. <laughs> and yep, I'm gonna pretty, roll gonna roll big. luck uh, use a luck point. <laughs> and use a luck. And yep. use a luck. Use a luck. And <laughs> use a luck. Yeah. Kind of like daka daka daka. Right. <laughs> so this next one is mobile. And again, it's pretty much what it sounds like. So you get to increase your speed by ten feet. So you get an extra ten feet movement, which is pretty cool. And um, when you use the dash action, difficult terrain doesn't cost you extra movement on that turn. So usually uh, if you go through difficult terrain, it costs you, again, uh, half of your movement. Kind of like whenever you're getting up from um, laying down, 
but if you use the dash action on your turn, it doesn't cost you any extra movement. So you can kind of move through and get through that difficult train to either get to somebody or get to make the attack. But I think one of the cooler things that it does is whenever you make a melee attack against a creature, you don't provoke opportunity attacks from that creature for the rest of the turn, whether you hit it or not. So if you're going um, you know, in and out, you want to get in, try and make a melee attack and get out that this is kind of what you want to do. So you can, you can use that extra 10 feet to get in, try and make an attack because normally, you know, you would get in there and stay just like, well, I don't want to draw an opportunity attack. So I'm going to stay right here up on him, but then they'll get just a normal attack on you. You can use this to get in, try to make the attack and then get out and they won't have a chance to swipe back at you. So this is pretty, pretty cool in my opinion. Yeah. And you know, I feel like I just keep finding more and more feats that would be great on my rogue. Uh, I think mobile would be a super good um, feat for a rogue, especially since you've got cunning action. So you got that extra dash, you know, able to ability to dash um, in with that cunning action for rogues. And so you can flash in, hit them, and then not provoke opportunity attacks as you go. Bye. So, uh, let's see. Wish list, man. If I ever take a rogue to level 20, I'm going to be stacked. Um, next feat is going to be Observant. Um, and this one's pretty cool, too. Increases your intelligence or wisdom score by 1 to a maximum of 20. If you can see a creature's mouth while it is speaking a language that you understand, you can interpret what is say- what it is saying by reading its lips. You have a plus five bonus to your past passive wisdom perception and passive intelligence investigation scores. So you can use this to super jack up your uh, perception to make yourself, you know, super able, you know, super hard to sneak up on, you know, really good scout, um, really good investigator, you know, finding those clues and that sort of thing. And I saw... Um, Let's see, in Critical Role Season 1, Vax is the rogue, right? And Vex is his sister. Mm-hmm. Vex has had this observant feat, and she used it... Um, oh, gosh, spoilers. She used it to read someone's lips at one point. Uh, I'm not going to say who. And it was super beneficial that she was able to do that. Um, so, super cool. And I, I don't know if... I don't, I'm not sure if uh, Matt remembered at the moment when that she had the observant feet but she asked if she could you know see their mouth clearly and he was like uh, yes <laughs> like oh man i didn't even think about it yeah like you're going to be able to read and see exactly what they're saying like the secret like discussion going on so pretty cool feet yeah it's a it's a pretty cool feat it's, it's not yeah especially not too shabby. you've got a campaign that's got a lot of like political intrigue and uh mm-hmm. you're doing eavesdroppings and yeah, yeah trying to weave in parties and get the info and get out yeah so this next one is really resilient it's a pretty short one uh you get to increase a chosen ability score by one to a maximum of 20 so you just get to pick one of your ability scores and still raise it by one to a max of 20 uh, and you also gain proficiency in saving throws using the chosen ability. So uh, this is a good way to just help make you, as it says, a little bit more resilient, a little bit more beefy and harder to uh, to take down. Yeah. Um, next one is going to be called Skilled. And this one's short as well. You gain proficiency with any combination of three skills or tools of your choice. So if you're wanting to kind of diversify yourself, you know, maybe gain access to a few cool tool sets, a few cool skills. Um, And, you know, skills are, you know, like perception, investigation, that sort of thing. So if you feel like your character might be a little lacking and you want to diversify a little bit, you can pick any three that you want or you know one skill or uh two tools you know that sort of thing mix it up mix and match yeah so a good way to uh possibly you know just widen your way widen your array of things that you can do and be useful at yeah so this next one is called skulker and it's not as bad as it sounds it's actually pretty good uh depending you know if you're a rogue or something like that but uh, you do have to have a prerequisite dexterity of 13 or higher. So, again, this is kind of 
more suited for like your rogues or maybe your rangers or something like that. Uh, but you can try to hide when you're lightly obscured from the creature from which you are hiding from. So, you know, if you're somebody is chasing after you, even if you're just lightly obscured in something, uh, you're still able to, to take the hide action and hide from them. So that's pretty helpful. And also when you're hidden from a creature and miss it with a ranged weapon attack, making the attack doesn't reveal your position. So normally if you're hiding out in the bushes and you shoot your bow at something, normally that gives your position away. Um, even if you hit it or if, you know, if you miss it, uh, if you whiff it, it still reveals your location. So you have to be a little bit more kind of careful with it. But with this, it helps you to where even if you do miss it, you stay concealed. So you can wait for that opportunity to when you can make the connecting shot and kind of not throw away your shot as Alexander Hamilton would say. But, uh, and then the last thing that it does is dim light doesn't impose disadvantage on your wisdom perception checks, um, that rely on sight. So just kind of helps you be, as it says, a skulker in the darkness. So helps you navigate around that. Yeah. Good, uh, good assassin feat. Um, and the final mm-hmm. feat is tough. And I feel like this is definitely, it's one that can be, you know, super good. Uh, your hit point maximum increases by an amount equal to twice your level when you take this feat. Whenever you gain a level thereafter, your hit point maximum increases by an additional two hit points. So this could be, you know, just kind of maybe last feat you choose, maybe somewhere down the line just to make it to where you're going to have even more hit points, you know, more way more hit points than you would naturally have so making you a whole lot tougher a whole lot harder to take down so i think this this is the kind of feat that could benefit any player pretty much any character i guess yeah but uh that's that's all of minute patrick yeah that's it um yeah that one this one was a wee bit longer but there were a few more in that uh, utility ability section but uh, we just wanted to make sure that we Covered all of them, um, just so you would know a good way to have more customization for your characters or give you a little bit more utility for a character that you feel might be kind of stuck in one direction. Uh, if you kind of want to start breaking the mold a little bit and uh, giving your character a little bit more flavor or just, again, utility to not to be pigeonholed or stuck in one sort of play style. Yeah. So, Brady, which one of these would be your favorite? Ooh, there's a lot of them. Uh, I would probably either say either alert or observant, but that's just me. Yeah, um, I think those two are probably my top two as well. Um, I don't know. Top three would probably be alert, observant, and keen mind. Uh, just to I feel like those three are just super duper useful. Yeah, yeah, they're they're very helpful and. Uh, nice to know they have those abilities to always have with you and just be like, I'm ready for anything. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but speaking of helpful, we hope that this episode has been helpful and informative. Um, you know, that's pretty much going to be it for our episode on feats. Um, and we do hope that you've enjoyed it and liked it and got something out of it. And if you don't mind, please consider reviewing us. It would mean a lot. Um, you know, review us on any of your podcasting listening uh, platforms. Give us a like, uh, anything like that. Just just let us know how we're doing. Uh, we will take anything. We, we'd like to know how we're doing. If there's something we can do better uh, or something that we're doing good right now and that we can improve on even more, please let us know. We'd love to hear back from you. Um, and also let us know if you have any questions or something that you'd like to hear in a future episode by emailing us at the vitamin D and D podcast at gmail.com. That's the vitamin D, the letter N D podcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook page at vitamin D and D podcast. You can pretty much just search it and it'll pop right up. Or you can check out our website at the vitamin D and D podcast.wordpress.com, uh, spelled just like our email address. And don't forget to tell your friends and spread the word. Keep, uh, keep hitting out there and there, there's one thing i meant to mention at the top of the show one thing i would like to do uh put out to all of our listeners out there we've kind of hit on it before but um just a simple ask it's nothing crazy we're not asking you to sign up for anything or anything like that but uh, if you do follow us on social media uh if you don't please just get on there and follow 
you know, it just takes one little clickety, clickety-clack of a button. But if you do follow us on anything, the Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, or, or follow our blog or anything like that, just get on there and just say hi. Like, you don't have to say anything else if you don't want to, but just say hi, just so we know that somebody's listening. And, you know, that's that's all we'd like to know. Just, we'll say hi back. Maybe we can start a dialogue. Yeah. Uh, hear some stuff from you and, you know, open some stuff up because we, we really do want to hear from y'all. Like, we sit around and talk about how much we would like to hear from somebody just uh, so we can start talking to, you know, getting new ideas and helping out other people. Or maybe we're just so helpful that... People don't need to write in because we're answering all their questions. I don't yeah. know, Patrick, but yeah, it'd I be guess, nice to hear. I guess from... if you're just, re- you know, just so good, like what more could people want to know? They just get all the info. That's true. They just like, I don't be, even their, need their minds are completely filled, completely filled, and all of their questions answered. Yes. Okay. So if you want to know something besides Dungeons and Dragons, if you want to know what my favorite movie is, my favorite kind of pizza topping. As what our other favorite games are, like any other tabletop games or video games. We're not going to be able to help you because we don't do anything other than Dungeons and Dragons. Just kidding, we do. We're not lamp pigeon. Lots, right. lots more than Dungeons and Dragons. So, but yeah, just, we yeah. we really would just like to hear from you. Just to even just a little quick hi, hello, and we'll we'll say hi, hello back. We promise if someone posts or emails us, we promise we will say something back, even if it's just hi. So just wanted to throw that out there, see if that's a little call to action. Yeah. See if anybody, you know, says hi, anything back like that. But uh, Patrick, do you have anything else you'd like to uh, throw in there? No, I don't. All right. Well, that was (laughs) short and sweet and to the point. But uh so thanks for hanging in with us uh, on this episode and uh, keep an eye on and ear out for our next episode where we will be talking about, uh, we'll be doing another Beyond the Screen episode. And uh, so we won't be doing another Vitamin D&D podcast regular show right after this, but it will be a Beyond the Screen one. Yeah. So make sure you tune in for that. And then the next uh, week we'll, following we'll after that, I'm going to do the another episode of uh, Vitamin D&D for Kids. That's right. So make sure you keep tuning back in for that. And then we'll get back to our normal uh, vitamin D&D podcast episode listing. So your regularly scheduled uh, broadcast, your regularly scheduled broadcast of vitamin D&D. But uh, other than that, take it easy and we'll see you after your long rest.